All right, so uh, President Trump gave a speech on uh, 4th of July at Mount Rushmore to honor the four men that are up on the wall. I wanted to, not on the wall, you know, on a mountain. Um, I wanted to watch it with no bias and just keep an open mind and hear what the man got to say. And right off rip, man, it, it, it was just disturbing me. It was all made possible by the courage of 56 patriots who gathered in Philadelphia 244 years ago and signed the Declaration of Independence. They enshrined a divine truth that changed the world forever when they said, all men are created equal. These immortal words set in motion the unstoppable march of freedom. Our founders boldly declared that we are all endowed with the same divine rights given us by our Creator in heaven. And that which God has given us, we will allow no one ever to take away, ever. It's just disturbing to me that you that you're not talking to me. You're not talking to me at all. You're only talking to one portion of America when you make this speech. How you only tell half of the story? If you were really talking to everybody else, you would have simply said, America, we've done some great. We've also caused a lot of pain. And in order to become great, we got to look at both sides. We got to learn from the past. And we got to, you know what I'm saying? Reciprocate the good. Something like that. It, it, it ain't that hard. You obviously are not talking to us. You know what I'm saying? Never mind the fact that Crispus Attic sparked off the revolution. My man right here sparked off the revolution. In hopes of us being equal. In hopes of being the beginning of ending slavery. But no, after the revolution, we continued to be slaves. So you're not speaking to all of us whenever you make this. Anyways, this isn't even the part that disturbed me the most. As we meet here tonight, there is a growing danger that threatens every blessing our ancestors fought so hard for, struggled, they bled to secure. Our nation is witnessing a merciless campaign to wipe out our history, to fame our heroes, erase our values, and indoctrinate our children. Angry mobs are trying to tear down statues of our founders, to face our most sacred memorials, and unleash a wave of violent crime in our cities. Many of these people have no idea why they're doing this, mm. but some know exactly what they are doing. They think the American people are weak and soft and submissive. But no, the American people are strong and proud, and they will not allow our country and all of its values, history, and culture to be taken from them. I'm, I'm going to tell you what he just did, why it's dangerous, and why I'm offended. So, he basically just mapped a whole bunch of groups of people to get into one group as if it's all just one group. 
And then he charged the people and told them, you're not weak. Basically charged them to fight back. Okay, so he took his enemies, which are the Democrats, mapped them into a category with the George Soros's of the world. The people, also the people who are uh, who are manipulating COVID, not to mention uh, Antifa, um, loot, looters who are taking advantage of the protest, which comes with protest. Who else? Black Lives Matter is the organization. Because there's a difference between the movement and the organization. I just found out there was an organization. I had no clue. And he's mapping them all in the category right along with those of us who just want police reform. You heard him say there are some people who don't know what they're doing. But there are people who do know what they're doing. He's basically saying that those of us on the ground who are fighting for police reform don't even know what we're He's saying that we're, we're being manipulated. By all of these groups. You know what I'm saying? And the, re- and the reason I'm offended, the Democrats don't fool me with them with them, uh, them, them, them Ghana scarves on. They don't fool us. We know that the media is manipulating our pain. We know this. But anyways, and, and the reason this divide is so dangerous is because it could cause a civil war. Like when I first seen the video of, the, of them white folks outside uh at a mansion with the guns pointed on the peaceful protesters my first initial thought was wow y'all really mad at you know at people wanting police reform for folks who are getting killed like George Floyd and Philando Costello but then after I, re- I listened to his speech I realized wow oh you think that we're here to riot and loot and burn and steal your stuff it's dangerous because this divide can cause a civil war the same way it did in Tulsa. And this ain't the 60s no more. Most of us are armed. You feel me? We're, when we're peacefully assembling and we're walking, most of us are armed. So the, so right now, one of the things I need to charge my people with and, and, and our allies, people of discernment, people with great understanding, this is your time to speak up. This ain't the time to be quiet. This ain't the time to hide behind your 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 uh, your church congregation, or to only hide in your house. This is the time to speak. This is the time to to speak out. Because those who have platforms, those who are speaking for folks, those who are talking, they're smart individuals, but they don't they they don't have understanding. They look at things in terms of stats and graphs and numbers and data analysis. And they and they're the one they're the ones responsible for these narratives that is creating a civil war because there's this new narrative that the whole movement for police reform is based off of a lie, that there is no racism all behind stats, data and graphs. Like, listen to them. The protest is to stop at the at the level of the neighborhood. But when it comes to police, the idea is that we're protesting a system that's supposed to protect us and they have the highest uh, responsibility. Yeah, but I mean, police again, looking at the data, and yeah. again, I'm talking about death because excessive force, as soon as you use the word excessive, um, because it's an adjective, it lets you know that it's subjective, right? Excessive is like saying tall or short. No, 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 it's, it's, not, it's not. No, that's not subjective. They, they have, they've operationalized it. So it's specifically uh, use, use of violence when, when not, use of violence beyond 
what's necessary to detain a suspect or use of violence that's unprompted, right? So they've operationalized this. And again, they're basing this also on the response of the officers, mm-hmm. right? They're basing it even on officer reports. That's why I, I strongly encourage you to read the study. I mean, I, I yeah. will, again, yeah. I'm flying in the dark here because you're, yeah. tell, you're telling me about a study that I haven't actually read. And I definitely have studied this. And like I, as I said, perhaps they have operationalized it and there's a way to determine what's considered excessive force. I don't know that. And perhaps you're right. I don't have that study in front of me. But what we do know is that People that are protesting out today are not protesting because they believe that police officers are using excessive force. Oh, they are, the, though. The whole mainstream narrative, when they're having people on and talk on, on CNN and Black Lives Matter, their entire platform is about black men dying unarmed at the hands of police officers. It was founded upon that concept. So I hate the fact that we're now shifting and pretending it's about something else and we're widening the net and we're making it about excessive force studies that nobody is talking about on CNN. Everybody is talking specifically about the idea that a black man that is unarmed is likely to die at the hands of a police officer and that's fraudulent. It's a fraud. You see what I'm saying? Like, and she, she's smart and she's black. You know what I'm saying? But the fact that, she, but the, but because she looks at things in terms of facts, stats, data and not personal experience and what people are actually saying she adds to a narrative that is damaging to the american people not just black people this divides us how can you really even measure the racism that's going on because of movies because of media because of everything that we've seen throughout our life we have a lack of trust of black people we have a fear of the way that we look, the way that we dress, uh, even the car that you drive can lead to preconceived notions of you. Old school 88s, Oldsmobile 88s, Buick Regals, Cadillacs, uh, what else? Chrysler 300s. These are the things that you really can't measure. You can't measure the fact that this young white male grew up in an area with predominantly white folks and it's not really known for crime it's not really known for uh for violence and he decides to take and there's a town right over that's predominantly black it has a reputation for crime has a reputation for violence he's been scared to go there his whole life and he takes a job as a police officer there so from the time he puts his uniform on in his mind, he wants to get home. And he has all these fears and preconceived notions that have been ingrained in him since he was born. So when he's on a routine patrol and he sees this all-white Buick Regal with a taillight out. The uh, reason I put you over to your brake lights are out. So you only have one activated active brake light. And that's going to be your passenger side one, your third brake light, which is up here on top. And on this one back here, it's going to be out. You have your license insurance? Look, look, hand on his gun already. Scared. Sir, I have to tell you, I do have a okay. firearm on okay. me. Don't reach for it, though. Don't pull it out. Don't pull it out. And you heard her say he's not. Upon walking up to this vehicle, that he pulled him over for a broken taillight, not a warrant for a criminal, not a warrant for a violent offender that's armed and dangerous. The perception of this man in his mind is a possible thug, possible criminal, possible danger. And then when he tells him that he has a legal firearm, 
He becomes a possible threat and the fear goes up even higher. And whatever happened in that vehicle, I don't know what movement he made, but it was the tipping point. And it led to seven shots. This is what your stats can't show. Your stats don't show that he didn't see him as a father, as a husband. There was a child in the back, a little girl in the back and his wife. How did you not see a family man? When he told you, we're taught, we're taught to tell officers that you have a firearm in the car. He didn't see him as, a, as a, uh, an American citizen who's exercising his Second Amendment right. Your stats can't show you this. So know that problems can't get fixed without the people who are going through the problems. This is what we mean when we say racist. Words are important. This is what we mean when we say systematic racism and racism. The fact that he woke up black was a death sentence. Every time that, that, that uh, politicians try to fix a black problem, they make matters worse because they never involve those with the problem. Look at Reagan in the bushes with the war on drugs. It became a war on black people. Look at the 94 crime bill from the, Cl from the Clintons, the Democrats. Yes, Joe Biden. It became another war on black folks. On young black folks who used crack cocaine, they went to jail for a minimum five sentence while the white kids, his own child, Joe Biden, his own child got to go to rehab while he is while he's fighting for black kids to go to jail for five years for a gram of crack. And as far as and as far as we go, we got to re-strategize politically. Whatever we doing ain't working. Whatever we doing ain't working. We got to re-strategize. And if you are in a position of power, any type of authority. Go amongst the people. Go, go talk to those who are going through the problem. We need more Bobby Kennedys. And I'm talking to the black politicians too. I don't care if you come from the hood. When's the last time you've been back there? You got to be amongst the people. Talk to the people. Talk to, talk to those who are going through the problem if you want to solve the problem. It's that simple. Bobby Rush, member of Congress, said the other day, I'm ashamed that I voted for the 94 crime bill. You ashamed of that bill? Not at all. Um, and in fact, I drafted the bill, as you remember. I know that. 